Hey, welcome to the 1826 podcast. My name is Joe and I'm the leader of the 1826 young adult community here at Faith Chapel. I just want to let you know really quickly, we meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. in our church lobby. I encourage you to check us out on Instagram at 1826FC so you can kind of get a feel for what we're about. Without any further ado, let's dive into the message. How many of you have had a friend who has gone through a breakup? Just quick show of hands, everybody. We all have friends and they've all gone through breakups. That's great. Um, what was that experience like for, for you? I mean, it obviously was bad for them. They were going through the breakup, right? We respect that. We love them. Um, but what I've noticed is, is that when, you're, when your friends go through breakups, it's, it's like kind of bad for you as well like they become super annoying um and it's really hard to kind of keep that friendship going right so like i had this friend a girl broke up with him it was very dramatic he's in high school and in love and whatever and he could not stop talking about this girl and so you know for a month i get it we we are together we are doing supporting him Two months, okay. Three months, okay. Six months, a year. Like, he just kept bringing it up. And I was like, he's like, I'm totally over it. I'm totally over it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm over her. I'm so over her. But did you see what she posted? Did you see? Like, that's where we used to go together. I'm like, you are not over it. No, I'm super over her. I'm super over her. And he just kept bringing it back up. And one time we were at a movie. And uh, it was like, a year and a half after they broke up. And he was just like, uh, so-and-so did this and she posted this. And I was like, dude, it is time to move on. And so that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk to you about the subject that it is time to move on. And we're going to be in First Samuel chapter 16 tonight, talking about the, the subject, it's time to move on. But I, I really felt like um, it was... Um, the Lord was leading me to talk about the life of David. And uh, David's one of my favorite people in the Bible. And I don't know how long we're going to talk about David, but I know we're going to talk about him in um, three different sections that I'm really excited about. We're going to talk about the shepherd, the fugitive, and the king. And so I don't know how long each of those are going to be. It might be a month. It might be two months. I don't know. But we're going to go through the life of David, and um, I hope that you're blessed by it. So we're going to start as David, the shepherd boy. We meet David in in 1 Samuel 16. It starts by saying this. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Now we're going to talk about David, but this story is really about Samuel and Saul. Samuel was the one that was chosen to pick the king of Israel, and he picks Saul. Now Saul was more than qualified to be king. He had all the skill sets. He had everything. He was big. He was muscular. He was ferocious. He wasn't afraid of anything, fearless. He was kind of everything that you would want in a leader. Until he went outside of God's will for the country. And he starts doing these things. And Samuel says, Saul, you're not doing what's right. You're not doing what's right. You're not doing what's right. And it's breaking Samuel's heart because he's responsible for that choice. He chose Saul. So we pick up here in 16, and Samuel's in mourning. He's in grief over this decision that he has made. And the Lord says to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Samuel chose 
Saul. He believes in Saul. He has hope in Saul. And God promoted Saul to king. He gave Saul that right. He gave Saul that title. But he promoted Saul, but Saul's perspective of himself did not change. Saul was in a position where he found himself and he did not view himself as the king role. Have you ever been in a position where where you felt like you were unqualified to enter into a role and you were still being held back by what you were before your title? He failed to realize this is who I am now. So the Lord responds by telling Samuel, it grieves me. This is in chapter 15. Samuel grieving and grieves me that I have set up Saul to be the king. That's in 15. We're in 16. A whole chapter later. He spent a whole chapter mourning, grieving. And now God is saying, Samuel, it's time to move on. How long will you grieve? God is saying, I hear you loud and clear, but it has been a year and he ain't coming back. I am done with him. So how much longer are you going to mourn? Because I have news. I'm ready to move on. It's time, Samuel. How long will you mourn? How long will you mourn? How long will you mourn a past mistake? How long will you mourn a past relationship? How long will you mourn? How long will you mourn someone else's decision to leave? How, how long will you mourn being held accountable for somebody else's actions? God loves Samuel. The Bible says that he speaks to him and it's audible, like I'm speaking to you. He loves Samuel, but you know what he loves? He also loves the rest of the nation of Israel. And so when Samuel's mourning gets in the way of what God is trying to do for the country, God has no choice but to tell him it's time to move forward. It's time to move on. There is no time for grieving. I have people who need to hear my name. I need a leader who is going to walk with me. And I want to be clear about something. God is not saying do not mourn. And he is not saying it's not okay to mourn. He is saying the mourning cannot get in the way of moving forward. The mourning cannot get in the way of my purpose. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Who is Jesse? Who is Jesse? We, he is not mentioned up until this point. Uh, where does Jesse come from? Bethlehem to this point. Jesus has not been born yet. It is not famous. There is nothing there. Bethlehem is a farm town. Jesse is a... a very simple man who moved out to Bethlehem because he wanted to get away from the city. He has lots of kids. He's enjoying this life by himself. He, he, very simple person. So, so God is saying, go to Bethlehem, a small town, and talk to an insignificant person. You're not going to anoint Jesse. Jesse's not the one who is going to receive my blessing. Jesse's just the person that you need to talk to. He's just an average 
person. So when the Lord is specific about the name, he is indicating that he has not chosen the next anointed one from the rich or for the famous, but through the unknown. But the unknown is kind of intimidating. Have you ever been in the unknown? Where, where you have not yet even stopped mourning what you have lost, but God is pulling you out of that, and you want to know who's next. Who, who am I supposed to go to next? Where am I supposed to go to next? What job am I supposed to work to next? And God does not tell Samuel that. He, he's placing Samuel into the unknown, like Elsa. He's crying, he's grieving, he's upset, and now the Lord is saying it's time to move on. So how do you move on from something when you don't have another place to go to? How do you move on from one place when the next place is unknown? How do you move on from someone when the next person is not yet known? Where, how do you do that? In America, we're so involved in this way. We, we leave one job because we have a next job. We break up with one person, we have to go to the next person immediately. We need to fill the void. We need to, we, we don't feel comfortable in the unknown. We always have to be filling our time with things. We can't even sit in silence without looking at our phones for too long and scrolling. We hate the unknown. And so God is sending Samuel into the unknown. He's saying, I don't want you to worry about where you're going. Because right now, the only emotional ability that you have, I want to use for you to move on. I, I'll tell you where you need to go. I'll tell you the direction. Trust me, I'll provide the person at the place. You don't need to worry about who it's going to be. I've got them already. But right now, what you need to do, Samuel, is move on from Saul. I'll, I'll, I'll provide at the destination. Just Get up and start moving on. How many of us need to hear that? It's time to get up and move on. It's time to, it, it's, we're, the grieving season is over and it is time to pick up our things, stop crying, stop moping, and move on. Maybe it's into the unknown. Maybe we don't have all the answers. Maybe we don't know exactly how everything's going to work, but it is time to start. Humans tend to see the, the, the risk in the unknown instead of the protection that God has for us. But Samuel said, how can I go? This is, that was just the first verse. Now we're in verse two. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about me, he will kill me. How many times are we so afraid to step into the future because we're worried about people in the past? The Lord said, take a heifer with you, which is a cow, and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Some people believe, like I already said, that Samuel and God talk to each other audibly. So I want to paint this out for you. This, this line of communication is very raw in this moment. I'm not degrading Samuel's fear. Samuel had fear. He was fearing the most powerful person in the world at this point in time. He had every right to be afraid. Saul had a temper. If Saul felt like someone was threatening his throne, he had not the right, but he was going to kill Samuel. He wanted to keep his spot, his position. So there is a real fear here. But why, as a Christian, should Samuel be fearing? 
why should as someone who's walking with God consistently, he's hearing him to the point, he has such a strong relationship that they're like literally physically just talking to one another. Why should he be afraid? If God's so close to him, surely God will protect him. Humans tend to see the, the, themselves and the risk of the sacrifice. God sees how others will be impacted if the sacrifice is not made. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Please note that Samuel's response. Samuel replied, yes, in peace, I have come. Yes, in peace, said in a moment for his personal life, which was chaotic. Yes, I come in peace. Peace is not circumstantial to God. God is peace, and therefore, if he is in us, then where we go, there is peace. Samuel replied, yes, in peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Concentrate yourself and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he concentrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height or his bank account or how many likes he gets or his car or his retirement plan. Does your Bible read that, Jesse? Your Bible doesn't read that? That's weird. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called, I don't know how to say it, Abendab. That sounds like a haagen flavor. I'll take two scoops of the Abendab and a rocky road. Then Jesse called Abendab. And had him pass in front, of the Sam, in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel, Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen any of these. So we're running out of options, Jesse. I'm running out of options, God. How many times have we been here? God, I'm running out of options. I don't know what to do. It would help if you would provide some answers for me because I've applied to seven jobs already and I'm running out of options. God, you sent me to this place. You told me I would grow. You promised me this, that. And now nothing has come to it. So I am running out of options. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Jesse is so like us. Jesse is embarrassed of his little piglet son, youngest runt of the family, who they have tried to hide out in the fields with the little sheep and and. He, he's showing off his, his older boys, the strong ones. And so Samuel's like, no, 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 no. 
uh, anyone else? And he's like, uh, not really. I mean, we have one other, but if you said no to the first seven, you're definitely not going to want him. He's young, small, insignificant. We don't believe in him. You ever felt like that? Young, small, insignificant, like nobody believed in you? He's just a shepherd boy. He's tending the sheep. Sometimes when we get caught up in the moment, we want to downplay our excitement. Samuel, knowing the status that he had and the ability that he had, Jesse must have been excited seeing him come onto his property. And he was so excited to show off his boys. So when he says no and he asks for David, he does what we would do. He tries to downplay the situation because because he wants to beat Samuel to the punch of saying, I, I told you so. He, just, he was just too small. Yeah, I just, he, my, my boy, he wasn't good enough. Yeah, I told you. I already, I already set you up. Because when we make ourselves small, we feel safe. When we belittle ourselves, we feel, nobody else can belittle us. We've, we've already done it. If I call it small, you don't get a chance to. And the problem with that is, is we serve a really big God. And a really big God lives inside of us. So I can't belittle what he has made because I do not want to insult the one who made it. I want to stop the narrative that in order to serve a big God, I have to become small. That, that's the Saul approach. Saul was saying, oh, Samuel, you want to branch out? You want to build something, not on my watch. I'm the king. I have to belittle you. I'm going to come for you. That's not how God operates. God operates in the sense of, I want to see the best in you come out. With me, you will grow. With me, my spirit will nurture you. It, it's, not a, it's not a, you have to become smaller so I, God, can become bigger. That is not how he operates. The one God wanted, catch this, was the small one, was David. I, I had a realization that maybe, maybe I need to stop bragging about all the big things I want to do with my life and just start taking the small steps towards them. Maybe I need to stop asking for all the big things and just start asking for the next small thing. What Jesse saw as small Samuel will end up crowning as king. Verse 12, so he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord powerfully came upon David. I want to end with this and challenge you with this. Wait for the eighth man. Wait for, wait for the David. Wait for the one who is the right one. Don't, don't just see the first thing and, and, and crown it. Don't just see the first thing and give your all to it. Let, let's wait for the one that, that God wants to anoint and that God wants to appoint for us. If, if Samuel would have chose Eliab, David's older brother, he would have never become king. And, this, and the whole country would have been in ruins. 
But Samuel, listening to that voice, listening to that voice, he, he says, nope, 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 nope. In patience, nope, nope, nope. How about the small one? How about the one that everybody else wrote off? The one that nobody else sees value or potential in. That's the one I want. God, show me what you want. Not what looks flashy to me, not what looks big to me, but what you actually are going to do big things through. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word and how it inspires us. Thank you for tonight. I ask that you would bless this discussion time. I ask that you would be present in our conversations. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. I hope that message encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I want to let you know that we meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. You're free to join us. We'd love to meet you. We meet on campus at our home church, Faith Chapel San Diego. You can look us up online. You can follow us on Instagram at 1826 for more info. We hope to see you soon.